Yeah, well, so I'm Menno Makers and I'm a building engineer. And I always wanted to be an architect. So that's why I work in an architect's office. But in the end, I found out that I really love architecture, but I love engineering more. Hello, friends. Welcome back to BIM Voice. Today, I have the pleasure to talk to Menno Makis from the Netherlands. Hello, Menno. How are you doing? Hi, Petru. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me here on the show. I'm very happy to have you here, and I'm really looking forward to learn more about yourself and about the projects you are involved with. Let's start with telling a few words about yourself and your experience, your projects you are involved in. Yeah, well, so I'm Menno Makis, and I'm a building engineer. And I always wanted to be an architect, so that's why I work in an architect's office. But in the end, I found out that I really love architecture, but I love engineering more. That's why I like it to work in architecture, but not being the designer, because uh, designing is, is like rendering, right? You are really, it's really a long time studying and doing a lot of uh, different stuff for, of the same. So basically, I like to the, yeah do a bit more of the, the technical stuff. I started out for as a an AutoCAD drafter uh, in this office. This is my first job and it's still my current job. Yeah, and then suddenly we started working in BIM or actually with Rapid. And that was basically a great switch for me because I was really thinking of hmm, another building that I have to draw in AutoCAD. It's, it became a bit repetitive. That's also the thing that I really like is that I don't like repetitive stuff. So in the end, I started to automate all these repetitive tasks that we have. I'm still doing that, and that's basically the yeah, one of the main aspects of my job to always find new ways, uh, rethink our workflow. I like that. That sounds very interesting. Are you using Dynamo or uh, straight up Python for scripting? Well, we we actually work because, of course, this is uh, BIM Voice is about Open BIM, right? So we we do work in Open BIM a lot, uh, not just exporting to IFC, but Although Revit is basically our core core program that we uh, use because yeah you can get the best uh, outputs actually uh, we start in SketchUp a lot so we have a lot of designers architects that work in SketchUp um, so that's also one of these workflows that are automated that I instead of thinking we should do something or we it should get from SketchUp to Revit uh, and this is how we do it I was um, I studied my colleagues to see what how are they working how, how are they using SketchUp in a way, because floor plans are plans. So they model them, actually they draw them in SketchUp because we mainly do uh, housing. So the floor plans are just floor plans. Everybody understands these in 2D and the facades and the rest of the building is 3D. So then I saw, all right, you are doing this in 2D. That's interesting, but there's still, uh, there were still components. So I thought if I could read those components, so I start exporting those to IFC from SketchUp and then getting that into Revit and reading it through Dynamo. It's like, oh, I can read this. I can see a wall. If this is a component, there's nothing to it, to that component. But then I get back to SketchUp. It's like, that wall is, is like a library component. So if I just add IFC wall to your library component, you don't have to change your workflow in SketchUp. But I can read it in Revit, Dynamo. So I can see, oh, there's a wall. It's an IFC wall. And it's it's it has, of course, yeah, I can find the, the, the surface. So if you find the surface, you can find the two smallest uh, lines in the midpoints, and that's a line. And then, then you have a line in the 3D environment that you can say, okay, place a wall here. And that's that was basically the first thing I did. It's like, okay, I could just create real-time, real walls from just a simple surface that somebody just sketched. 
That's very interesting, you know. I'm amazed by a few things here. I know I did not use ketchup myself too much. I just tried uh, once in a uh, time. And uh, I experienced that quite user-friendly to model. So I think it's a bit weird that the architects are not modeling straight up and they just start sketching. But maybe the sketching function in SketchUp is even better, is even easier to do this. And then, do I understand this correctly? So you take a SketchUp, you export through IFC, and in Revit you get the model. Is this what you do? Yeah. And through Dynamo, I read the geometry and that started with the walls and of course then the rooms because you have floors so you can get rooms and it, it just evolved like that. And then, then we started, okay, let's look further to the front because these are just the, the plans, like the, the, the building itself. But what's more important for us architects basically is the, is the areas, you know, the, the gross area, floor areas. But then we decide, okay, you're also doing, you're making it in some kind of boxes. Because in SketchUp, in the, the design phases, we still need to have these areas uh, to be calculated. So they have boxes and surfaces for dwellings and for the gross area. I was like, oh, I can use that as well. So then the area plans from that. And then we even got further to the front because then we thought, this is great, but we are, used, we are designing in SketchUp. So what we're doing is, if it goes to Revit, it has to be one-on-one. -on -one. It has to be immediately the same thing. So that was taken care of, like sort of, of course, because Dynamo is, uh, well, can be a bit buggy. <laughs> so I think it works great. Colleagues think it works just fine. And some other colleagues think it doesn't work. So that's, <laughs> we are all, all three are correct. That's the thing. And then we went to, to say, what if we can even do the SketchUp part better? And then we went to uh, Nick uh, from IT Cut, a Dutch company, uh, or it's just Nick that's uh, actually creating uh, plugins for SketchUp. So we sat down and he created a plugin for us for SketchUp that actually exports the area data to Excel. And also because we are always creating Excels for the client, because the client wants numbers, right? They just want to have the the yeah the gross floor area and the net floor area. All these space data that's important for our clients because. Well, we make dwellings, so they want to sell dwellings and then they have to build it. So there's just this way of how, what's the best, the best ratio between that. One is the perfect one, but that doesn't exist. That's probably a tent. It would have a 0.99 because there's just a really thin outer layer. But yeah, we can get to 0.8, which is really good. Also with that, because of the, that plugin that we created, because you can just add another dwelling, export it again. It's really fast. So yeah, then we got from that thing that was like, I can do it with walls. And then we just were getting further into the front of the of the design phase. And then I think a year ago or two years ago, we even got further to the, to the front because it was like, we didn't get these assignments for or the, the contracts for the, the, the technical phases anymore. Or basically we were the, usually we would say architects, we get the commission for the complete phasing for, for the design phase and for the building permit and for the technical design and for the construction. But now it's always a cut in parts that is okay, you do a definitive design and we'll see if it's feasible and then we'll get back to you. And then they start calculating for a couple of months and then they say, oh yeah, great. Let's do the building permit. And also just send the model to the, to the contractor so they can look at it. Usually the contractors, they don't post half of the contractors say, I don't want to do anything with architects. Other half says, I will work with architects. It's, it's, yeah, that's the way it is. It's unfortunate, but 
yeah, we are not guaranteed to get these get these commissions anymore. So that's why we thought we need to have a calc uh, model that can be calculated on, in like in, in a in a coarse way. So we need to stay in SketchUp. So we started to modeling our facades in SketchUp. We already did that, of course, in 3D. But there is this Jan Brouwer. He, he works at Digibase, which is basically from a contractor. And he made this IFC manager for SketchUp. So you could actually not just export a, something, a component as an IFC wall, but you could also create the whole uh, site building, building story structure of the IFC. And then we did that. And then we got, yeah, we did that. And I think we're now leaving it again because we're seeing that we need to get more technical again. So that was like this in-between phase. So that's basically what we're doing is these workflows, they are flows. It, also the, the way of the workflows, they flow. And that's mostly what I do. Yeah, and every now and then I start work, I work on a project. So now I'm working on a nice uh, little school. So you get the chance to work uh, also on the project. But I have so many questions uh, about this, but I'll try to keep it uh, brief, but I'll still ask uh, what I think is the most relevant here. Regarding uh, exporting to IFC from SketchUp, how is the this experience? So right now, today, you mentioned that it was like exporting components in the beginning and then something about plugins. Like, do you need different plugins for exporting from IFC or is standard way that you can do it, like everyone can do it from SketchUp? Yeah, it's you can just export. And I think the, the plugin that Jan Brouwer made is really handy. It's also free, so that's uh, not an issue, of course. You can just get, but you can, it's an easier interface to export, to create your, to structure your model. But in the end, you can just create a component and a group of components can be in a component that is called IFC building story. It's it's very similar to how you would do it in Blender, for example. Well, when I started to, I wanted, of course, to learn a lot more Blender, but when I started it, I was like, oh, well, this is a little bit similar of the way of I'm creating it, this model structure in like in SketchUp. Yeah, mm. yeah the way yeah. Blender Beam especially not only Blender, lays out the foundation for all the projects. It's very, very handy. And uh, yeah, using types as well, it's also cool. But now a bit more about SketchUp. How do you feel that, how do it, uh, does uh, SketchUp compares with uh, Revit regarding IFC export? Is it much better Revit as exporting to IFC than SketchUp? I think it's similar. They both have, they'll, they're both not perfect. Um... They're both far from perfect. Actually, yeah, it's what you see with the SketchUp, you, it's, there's a lot of things missing. So yeah, you need to, of course, I know Jan, so I could actually ask him to add it, but that's, yeah, it's still, if you want to use it solely as your workflow, it's, it's possible, but you would only get like design models. If you really start in a more technical phases, it's, it's difficult. And it's also hard because it's also based on, on instances. Well, as you know, reference, you have like type and instance and it's, it's, it's SketchUp. If you want to add properties in a custom P set or you want, or then you need to do that at every instance of every element. And that's, that's really, well, of course that doesn't work if you're really using it for, for technical stuff, but basically in the design phases, nobody really asks for custom P sets that only happens more in the, in the engineering phases. There's the real basic IFC structure. You can just do that. And also the most of the common piece sets can be filled, but still it's, it's, I think a bit more work than doing it a bit. Yeah, I understand. That's cool to know. I heard or I read somewhere on LinkedIn, not a long time ago, 
about exporting from uh, SketchUp to IFC that is possible, but I, I had no idea before uh, what this uh, involved. So I'm happy to understand a bit how that works <laughs> for now. Yeah. yeah, it takes a lot of discipline. So that's why also I think we should, we're not really doing it anymore on the scale that we did it one year ago. So it was really a short intermezzo, I think, between in a year that we really needed to do it that way. Otherwise, not have been able to meet all the all the deadlines. Okay. Meeting deadline, it's also it's always a good push from the back to, to innovate, right? So <laughs> it was cool that you find this solution, especially this using OpenBIM, right? This is really cool. But what about something else? I don't know if you are aware or uh, if you know at all uh, this, uh, op the, uh, this other open source project, which I think fares quite well when it comes to Revit and SketchUp, Peckle. I think they have quite good uh, workflow between these two tools. Yeah, I know of it. I, tr I tried to get into it, but it's, yeah, I didn't find the time yet to do it. And neither does the colleague that I asked to do. <laughs> I said, okay, you look at it maybe, because this might be some good thing for our new project. And well, just like, yeah, but now it's well, still not getting there. But it's uh, in theory, it, it looks really great, but it's still difficult to figure out how it works, actually. To take the first steps, that's the biggest barrier always and see uh, and see if it really works, works how you believe it works from what you read, right? This is, this is also <laughs> my stage where I'm finding myself in regarding the Speckle project. But I see a lot of people writing quite nice uh, feedback uh, on the tool that is quite useful. So I really hope I would find some time in the future as well to give it a, ch a chance. Yeah, that's always a problem in time. Especially if you're, oh well, yeah, it, I'm doing a lot of stuff in the BIM, Dutch BIM community, so it's I have to make it, make choices <laughs> where what I spend my time on. Prioritizing, it's always it comes to that, right? What else do you do in this? Uh, you're talking about a, a Dutch BIM community. Okay, what is this? Tell me more about this. That, you made me curious. It's not a small group, but basically, it's if you are. If something new is coming up, then usually you see the same faces everywhere. But it's like uh, we have a Dirigo, Bimloket. Those are based, it's from the, yeah, Bimloket usually was like this. It's not a company, basically, they're, they just are gathering all the BIM and Open BIM initiatives and all the, the standards. So they gather that and they you can download that from their website. And there is this BIMBase IDS, the BIMBASIS ELS, that was released in 2016 basically by 14 contractors they got together and they thought we need to have the basis of BIM or the BIM models good so they would were thinking like yeah we have like we need to have some position local position use the entities get the right building stories and make agreements on what you should do there and that was that works very well and it was quite popular and then I think that was a bit of the start of the of what I would like to call the Dutch BIM community I think and then a couple of years later, there was the IDS design and engineering, which is more for the engineering phase. Some an IDS, well, not IDS, the open standard, but really an information delivery, a specification of what you want. So what we need from the models and BIM-based IDS was, is more uh, basic. It's really basic, that's in the name. And it says like general stuff and uh, IDS design and engineering is more uh, specific on what we need. So for example, uh, of course, we have fire rating in the BIM-based IDS, but there is also surface spread of flame. And there is also uh, stuff about 
all the hinges and everything from doors, door handles, stuff like that, that that's in a specific list. So that was that, uh, released in 2019. And I think that was also the year, or maybe it was 2018, that we got together to start uh, thinking about the BIMBASE IDS version 2, which was released in October 2020. And that was when I was got involved in that in that group, because the BIMBASE IDS is just two A4 papers. Um, but then we they said we need to have a structured organization. So there was like different committees. There was this... Uh, expert committee that's where i'm in and the two passions committee which is basically the committee that creates manuals for reference for architect for sketchup for everything and of course the yeah the more management part of the committees and then we took quite some time as we started to uh, find all the iterations of the bin based ideas that everybody uh, was making and every, all the knowledge of the past years and we gathered that and we created version two so all those people that are involved we know know other people and basically if there is there is this other initiative about bcf the bcf card it's also a dutch initiative that creates the also like an infographic to how to use bcf because well, bcf to create an issue in solubri or in in bim collab or in dialux or whatever it's different you can do a lot more in bim collab but there is this bcf only supports a specific entries like a description and the date and stuff and a picture that BCF card was an initiative to say, let's just focus on the things that all the BCF exporters and plugins have in common, and then say, this is a way of using it. Of course, there is a lot of people involved that, well, everybody knows. Again, it's, yeah, if, if you're in these clubs, you get asked for the, another club. That's basically how it is. Interesting. That's nice to hear that, that there are these uh, BIM groups. This is interesting. I think it's also because the Dutch government doesn't really push his BIM to the community. They have, of course, for their own assets, the FFB BIM norm. So it's the Rijksvastgoedbedrijf, which is the uh, the company company that maintains all the assets for the governmental buildings and they acquire them. And the school that I'm working on now is also, of course, it's a school, so it's a governmental building. Uh, so there is this BIM norm, which is was also a big inspiration for the BIM-based IDS because that was released in 2013. But that's the only thing. Of course, for their own projects, they say you need to do it in BIM according to this guideline, this protocol. But that's it. They don't say anything about uh, private private buildings. So they just leave it to us to do it. And that's why there are so many uh, initiatives in the market. I agree. So yeah, th there is no uh, governmental or national uh, mandate. I think uh, that's quite the same, the situation here. Although uh, like with Statsbig, maybe you heard about Statsbig from Norway and other entities, but here the smaller entities, the other municipalities or maybe even private companies are trying to emulate to some degree something, but still is no like national mandate like it's in other places. But we talked about this. Now, what about Building Smart? What influence do you feel that uh, Building Smart has in Netherlands? Is it to a much lesser degree than these local communities? No, because I think that because it's found the basis of the BIM-based IDS, for example, is IFC and all the major contractors, they agree with this. So basically, 
everybody is creating exporting IFC models to for every project, even though everybody is working in Revit on on a project, which is still very possible in, in projects. Well, when the contractor also has it, then IFC is not usually, it's still demanded. So they still, we use, for example, on projects where everybody works in Revit, we use BIM 360 to, to collaborate on the models, but we still export it to IFC because that's basically how our workflows are, how they are at the moment. And it's really great because it's a lot better, of course, than just sharing your, your Revit models because it's there's so much junk in those models. You, ju you just want to export something that's that's clean and only export what has been asked. Yeah, it's still, it still works. And of course, with the, all the issues, that's also why I think we use uh, IFC a lot because you can really easily open it in every software that you like and create the issues because that's something that contractors or well everybody here really likes to uh to create all these issues for us yeah well it's one of the core principles of this uh, schema right and this is what is beautiful about it right like because you are not limited by anything you can just use whatever you want to uh, open it to see it. you can even read the code if you want right you can uh, so yeah we uh, i asked about building smart because I wanted to uh, pivot into something else now. Was it last week or two weeks ago? I think it was last week or two weeks ago. You held this very interesting workshop or webinar, whatever you want to call it, about IDS, information delivery specifications, the standard that should become soon official by Building Smart. By the way, thank you very much for that. It was a very, very good uh, workshop. I learned a lot myself. I got a lot of new things clarified regarding IDS, although I'm, I'm a bit, it's been a, a while since I started to have a look at it. So thank you very much for that. Let's talk a bit about IDS, these ideas, not base ideas. Let's start with making a clear clarification about what is the difference between your BIM, your base IDS and this IDS, building smart one. Yeah, the BIM-based IDS and basically also the other IDS design engineering, they are PDFs. They're just, the BIM-based IDS is an infographic. And of course we have a website where you can click and get some more information, but basically it's, it's, it's a picture of a 3D stair and it says you need to use the correct IFC entity and include the, the correct enumeration if possible. That's what we say. And that's these guidelines are basically to show you where you need to agree upon with each other on the project. It's not that you need to do it. It says, this is a very important topic and discuss it with each other before you start on the project and then decide what to do. And IDS, the open standard is of course an open standard because it's, well, the best thing it's, it's human and machine readable uh, because it's an open standard and standards are of course standardized, structurized. So it's an XML format, which of course you can read yourself anyway. You don't need to translate it to real text, but it's possible. And what that is in the most basic way, it's, it's, it's clash control for data. It's you delivery specification. It specifies what is needed in the model. So it, you can say that the attributes of the it, the name of the IFC building should be something. And that's, that's well, you write it down in your uh, BIM execution plan, but there, that's then somewhere in this execution plan, somewhere in on your file server in a cupboard that, in, that nobody reads probably. But if you put it in IDS, you say, okay, go to the 
IFC building, the attribute name should be Gebouw A or building XYZ, whatever. And then you can run that as if it was a clash control, at least in Dimcrop Zoom. And of course, in other programs, you can probably do that. And I think other software will focus on creating IDS and export that to XML. And I can import that in Revit, for example, because there will be a plugin to read the XML file and then see, oh my, I have an IFC slab and it should be an IFC covering. So the, the specifications, they are they brought are brought to you as a modeler. You really get them in your modeling software. And that's, I think, the, the main reason why it will work, why it will become popular. Yeah, I think although we are still not yet where you have integrated the ideas in the design tools, it's still not so difficult to just quickly check in another tool, in a third-party tool, if your model, when you export it. But uh, yeah, exactly how you said, that's going to be the pinnacle because then you get the feedback, the live, in a way, feedback, right, in your tool and you are skipping many steps. But uh, we are there. We are still, many of us still try to understand what is this ideas, how they could use it. Uh, but this is, at the end of the day, is this to make your, your models much better and to uh, not uh, leave any room to interpretation. Right. Because you will see black and white. This is a mistake. You should you don't have the right project name. You don't have these walls are don't have the name according to the beam execution plan or something like that. Right. So this is one of the reasons why you believe that IDS is important. Yeah, really important reason, because the what IDS also is, is that if you are creating the specifications, you are actually you need to think about what do I need? Why do I need it? Because you're really creating it. Well, instead of I need to, I want everything. Yeah, of course, but you need to specify what you need. What's the purpose of it? And that's why maybe we get a better communication because if I know why you want something, then for me, it's I'm more inclined to actually add it to the models instead of, oh, this guy wants everything again and I don't have the time. But yeah, well, then you just get bad models yeah i want everything means i don't know what i want i don't know how to describe what i want i don't know what i'm doing uh, but i need to <laughs> say everything you know but uh, yeah we like this is uh, mostly because of lack of understanding and resources because you need resources to create this kind of things right and the more people get educated on these topics the easier is going to be that a bin coordinator will be able to do that or uh, right now Maybe there are still many clients who don't have a BIM coordinator in, a, in their organization, right? Like we are still there. And maybe there is a, a, a normal, an architect or an engineer who will do that and will, will make the switch to a BIM coordinator or BIM manager or something like that, right? Because this, I think this is the main culprit here that not because people don't want, but they don't really see the value and there is no qualified personnel to do these things, you know? But I think there are many benefits and people will understand will understand this much better as we start using this and showcase it because it's going to be a huge difference and it's going to be quite difficult to stay competitive if you don't use something that improves drastically the quality of your deliveries. What we also should take care of with IDS is that I think it's really easy to just quickly create a specification that says everything should be filled or some properties. But as you can see in my webinar, well, basically it was the repetition of what I did in the Building Smart Summit in Rome live. But yeah, 
uh, Leon Berlo, who's like, we need to push this so everybody can see it. So that's why we repeated it as a webinar. You can see a lot of examples of what's possible with IDS and not just fire rating is either defined or not defined. You can also just say fire rating should be 0, 30 or 60 or 120. So you can actually say it has to be one of these or it has to be a specific uh, value. I think you need to always, every specification should be flipped as well. Most of them can be flipped to say if, if you have an IFC wall, it should have property fire rating in PSET wall common, which you could also usually with classifications, you can say, okay, and it has to be a classification code 21 dot something. So Dutch uh, analysis B code. So you can check for all the walls, but you can also do it the other way around to see, let's see if everything that has this code is either a wall or something else that should be, that is possible. So that's, that's also important that you'll probably get uh, very quickly that people send, oh, this is an IDS for the BIM-based IDS. So this is an IDS for this uh, thing. And then you run it and you think, well, it doesn't do anything because it just checks whether or not there is data present or not, which is important, is an important first step, but you can go much deeper into it, even with the first version. Of course, there are much more improvements to be made with IDS or enhancements or additions, but uh, we'll just start with what we have right now. Yeah, especially because it's officially not released, but that does not mean that uh, there are not people, there are uh, people using it, right? As you yeah. uh, and both know already about this. Yeah, and version one will be exactly the same as the 0.93261 that we have right now. Yes, but future revisions will definitely improve it. And uh, yeah, but the more people start using it quicker, it should be uh, improved, right? Mm. But uh, who would you say that uh, is this uh, new tool uh, for? Who who should be interested in this? I think it's really beneficial for modelers, especially because, and for the really the BIM coordinators, to be, because when our clients are basically, because we mainly do housing, I think in the past 27 years, we have like five not housing projects. So we are, that's basically what we do. And those clients are either the... Um, developers that they just buy a plot, build a building and then sell it. So they don't care about anything else except for selling their product. Of course, they like a beautiful building and of course they have opinions, but still as regards to BIM, they don't really care that much. The, the other part is the housing companies that should care a lot because they need to control their assets. And still there is this ADIS IDS, which is will probably also be, become an IDS uh, specification uh, in the future. That's like an organization, overhead organization of all the housing companies. But yeah, there's still a lot of housing companies that don't ask for BIM in the design phase, which is a bit too bad because afterwards they commission somebody to add all sorts of data for their, uh, for the maintenance plans. So that should also be so IDS is very interesting for those people that need to maintain their buildings or their assets. And of course, also contractors, because, because they are already, they already have IDSs. They already have specifications that asks that they require a lot for the, from the models. And they always require it in a specific way. And I hope that IDS will become something that everybody can do it in their own way and that we still export it the way everybody uh, can use it. Most contractors have their own custom B set that is 
always different, but the content is always the same. I know, I know. I'm working with that kind of stuff <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> and there are uh, challenges to more levels. But uh, still, the usefulness is there. Like on the on the spot, I think the if the client understand and he, he has uh, any uh, exchange information requirements and BIM execution plan on their projects, they are the one, the first one that should benefit the most, because they would best they would get much better deliveries. Definitely save much uh, time for checking quality assurance. Then you also have designers, right? Because they in this way, they will automate how they check the quality of their deliveries. They will save time on uh, fixing issues, right? Because they will find themselves the issues before and you save time on that. And contractors, in a way, depends on the type of the contract, right? If you have the contractor uh, in between and the, the designer designing for the client, then as a contractor, you automatically benefit from both of this, right? But if then you have other type of contract where you are more involved and you you have more uh, control, then you you might also run yourself this. Uh, at the same time, that does not mean that uh, if you if the client is the most important here and the designer, the contractor should not be involved in these discussions. Like what requires requirements are relevant for them, right? Because if you if you make this triangle, I think you you cover quite well uh, many things and. I need to confess you, I'm very pumped about this and I can't wait for this, to see this in action in not too far away future. I will be using it on projects this year, I'm sure of it. Yeah, I even if I will do uh, virtual projects, I will use it this year, no matter. <laughs> like that, that's going to happen definitely because I really need to see if I'm just crazy and I think that this is just too good to be true or is this really so valuable that People just need to understand and to start using it. Yeah, yeah, I believe in it. And especially because the issues that are created from these IDS immediately specifies if it's wrong, it also specifies what it should be. And that's what's also always missing in issues that says this is wrong. Or an issue is why is this done like this? I mean, yeah. Exactly. You save a lot of time on that. You will need to invest a bit more time in research to make good specifications. But at the same time, those specifications can also maybe be reused to a large degree yeah. on more projects. One thing, right? Yeah. And then, like you said, like you have already the information there. The producer of the information will know what they need to put there. And they like, exactly. We will definitely have less issues. Like this is a really important one. Are there any challenges that you think, what do you think are actually the biggest challenges to spread this, this new open standard? The challenge will be that people that already have these documents, like these big execution plans, protocols, IDS, things on PDF, that they say, I already have this, so why should I create a new one? I think that's always the, the change management is like, it's the most challenging, most difficult thing in our, of our time, I think. I mean, I. I love new things. I mean, that's why I drink beer because I can, I go to the shop and I just start browsing and what, what new types of beer and new breweries can I find? And then I just buy them and start tasting them because I, that's what I really like, new stuff. And it's the same with them. I like to find out everything from what, yeah, what is, does the IFC schema has to offer me? I mean, when I found that, for example, these, these uh, sunscreens in front of the, in front of the window that. When I found out about shading device type, I was like really happy for a week. I was like, oh, this is really cool. I have 
found, finally found a enumerated property that I can use because most enumerated properties are for MEP. And I was always a bit jealous. Like, oh, that's, that's great. I want to use it. But now I found something that I could use. And that's, I understand that 99% of the people that are working with BIM don't give a, don't give, yeah, they don't really care about that. And it's like, yeah, good for you that you found something like that. But it's, yeah, that's what I like stuff. And a lot of other people, they don't like it. They just say, well, this works. So let's keep on working like that. That's why the building industry is going so slow, of course. That's why I still think that uh, the client has the most critical role in this, because if the clients enforce this on their projects as requirements, then nobody can comment. Nobody can uh, do anything else than just follow that, you yeah. know? Yeah, well, the practice in the Netherlands is that the, we have two clients, basically the in the design phase up until the building permit the client who actually invests the investor or the housing company is our client but then if we continue with the, the project then of course the contractor then the contractor will become our client so there there is this the thing of the of the change between uh people who pay us to do our work yeah interesting yeah but then that's good as well because then if you have innovative constructors, general contractors, they can take advantage of these kind of tools, right? Because I was referring to this kind, to the, the same thing, uh, just that here, and I'm talking about infrastructure where you don't have this change. It's happening live actually on the project I work, the designer is designing for the client and we build after the documentation we get from the client, you know? This is not changing uh, is the, throughout the whole project. Uh, but then, yes, like you said, if the client is not, let's say that the client is not very beam developed or beam minded, then the, uh, the constructor might already, might already have this experience from another project, you know, and could do it, could implement it, or could advise it from the start, you know. There are some good uh, things here. Usually I create the execution plans for our buildings. That's when we start designing and collaborating uh, with the structural engineer and the, the MEP engineers, then we need to collaborate so there needs to be guidelines uh, to work together digitally and usually i know what if we already know the contractors i know because i've worked with a lot of them already so i know what they want so i just take that and i think what we need on the project so then i do the actually i do the client's work at that moment by creating yeah, the execution plans and of course also the the, the specifications mm -hmm. We discussed about IDS. Were you around, like, uh, were you very, uh, were you following very closely when the BCF got into the market and the change happened? Do you feel the same, is the same feeling right now or uh, is different? Do you feel that IDS could impact even more than BCF? I think it is actually the same feeling indeed, because when we started working in BIM, it was still closed BIM, of course, and well, we worked with a contractor in Revit and they checked the Nevisworks and created reports, which were issues. And I'm not sure if that was already in the BCF format or not, but I don't think so. And then on in Ponsteiger, the building that we won the Building Smart Award for Construction for in 2018, there was the first implementation of uh, BIM Collab, actually. Well, they were uh, testing BIM Club with this project. And I'm not sure if that was also, of course, that was based on BCF, but still BCF with extra, because you could use a lot of extra fields to add to, to BIM Club. And that's, 
of course nice but it's not really necessary because you want to just export to bcf and i think ids will be similar but of course it will be yeah it, it's it will have a greater impact but i think that the, that's also because of the time that we're living in that there's a lot more projects in bim than uh, 10 years ago. exactly even if if slow there is more people understanding uh, more things so yeah that makes uh, makes the impact it's also a good way of explaining or showing how this transition uh, will happen if you can refer to what happened to bcf because it, for, for a lot of people it went naturally and they just use the software and most people don't use bcf when yeah because as a architects we always work with uh, clients and contractors so we don't have big suites for bim 360 or for for bim Lab or so we need to work with the tools that are provided for us so if we are doing the bim coordination on the projects when there is no no such uh, dms or cde we just i just create bcfs and I just send them to uh, to my colleague architects and to the engineers. Yeah, well, I think we are uh, in for a quite a fun ride, and I cannot wait for it to have to start and uh, to see it uh, growing. Is there anything else you would like to mention or you would like to share with us that I forgot to ask you about? Oh, I know. I'm not sure. No, I don't think so. Well, um, if you want to know more about IDS, I think you all can add a link to this uh, webinar. Definitely. I will definitely put it into in the description. Of course, it was a very good one. And definitely more people need to see it. Yeah, well, or you can also read the documentation because basically when I started uh, this presentation, because, because Cubis is, is making uh, BIM Club Zoom and the IDS uh, addition to it, they just asked, can you uh, present IDS for us in Rome? Of course I can. So then I just, the only thing I did was read that documentation and I already started on my story on what I wanted to tell in this webinar or in this presentation. And then afterwards I went to, to them to see the, yeah, I got then the beta version to test it. Uh, so then I could actually see what I was thinking that could be done. I could actually test it. So it's also really easy. You can just read the documentation. It's, it's like six pages and you understand it. You understand the 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 bulk of it. Yeah, yeah. But I think I have some nice uh, nice use cases to show what you can actually do with it, how it works. I think uh, you would need some practice to get better, especially with more advanced things. But the core concepts uh, are not very difficult to understand. No, I I agree on that. How would you like for uh, people to reach out to you if they would like to contact you? Uh, well, I'm quite active on LinkedIn, so that's probably the best way to find me. <laughs> yeah. As me as well. Okay. That's amazing. Thank you very much for joining me. I really enjoyed this chat and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, learning from your experiences you will share in the future. I will share. Yeah, of course. And thank you for having me. Thank you.